0: Hello, 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 and welcome to Canadian Made. My name is Olivia, and each week we go behind the scenes of the Canadian entertainment industry to bring you the stories of how things got made and the people who make them. This week, I am so excited because it is part two of our little mini-series on the making of The Porter. Now, the reason why I'm so excited about this conversation and why... I think that this conversation is so special is because I was joined by five of the key creative members in a kind of round table conversation about the, the different elements of bringing this production together. They are a really fun, charming, cool bunch that I've really felt honored to get to speak to because you can tell you know, how passionate they are about this project and how much this project means to each of them. Let me introduce to you who you're going to be hearing from. And then let's talk a little bit about the the plot of The Porter, uh, give you a bit of an intro before we get into my roundtable discussion with this amazing team. So today on the podcast, I was joined by Marsha Green, who is an executive producer, showrunner, writer, and creator on the show. Anne-Marie Murray who's an executive producer, showrunner, writer, and creator, Charles Officer, who's an executive producer and director, Arnold Pinnock, who's an executive producer, writer, creator, and actor in the show, and R.T. Thorne, who's an executive producer and director. So for those of you who don't know, this series was, was originated by the executive producer and writer Arnold Pinnick. Who is a self described history buff. And he first came across this really interesting story about sleeping car porters and the first black labor union. And it really resonated with him so profoundly that it inspired the beginnings of what would become The Porter. So if you haven't already, please go back and check out part one of this series. We focus much more on the development of the show in that episode. Uh, But if you're ready for part two, we talk much more in this episode about the production of the Porter. So we talk about financing this production, why they decided to shoot in Winnipeg, and we also go really in-depth on the casting process. So this is an episode you definitely do not want to miss. Let's get into it. You know, we, you have these amazing ideas, but you gotta find the money to put it together. So I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about how to, the process of raising funds and if you can offer any tips to aspiring filmmakers, people, you know, like yourselves who have these incredible ideas and just don't know where to start to get their, their budget together, you know, pick a reasonable budget and how to raise
1: capital. Well, I think we started with church bakeries, right? Then we started doing, like, making goods <laughs> at the church and selling them. Uh, you know, RTU doing car washes and stuff like that.
2: <laughs> you know, Jennifer Quaggia Sienna Films and um, Inferno Pictures. For, I, I think, like, the bulk of the financing kind of was, like, how to finance it was really kind of in their camp. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say, I mean, which is like, look, an amazing thing as as a creative. To be like, you know, this is how much money we need. Go get it. (laughs) Like, I mean, I think what was really, what I will say, what was really amazing for me, I remember this very clearly from our first development room, was that we were having trouble financing the show just because um, it is such a big production and it's also period. So it's just naturally going to cost more than your average uh, Canadian television show. And there was like this point where it's like, do we sacrifice the show that we want to make like make a smaller version of the show so that we can like make it sooner and be able to afford it? Or do we wait and keep, you know, going out there and pitching it and trying to get these other partners in order to be able to make the show we want? To Sienna's credit, you know, it was like, let's, let's you know, let's keep, pounding that pavement until we were able to get BT Plus and Inferno and like, you know, when all these people on board to give us the kind of budget that we needed to make the show that we dreamed of. That's not really an answer, but I guess my answer is, I don't know <laughs> how this particular thing got my finance.
3: You know, I think for filmmaking creatively, whether it's film, television, I think, you know, there are ideas that you have and I think one of the learning curves is realizing how much a paragraph can cost <laughs> in your writing. So I think there's there's actually like, you know, steps in terms of like you know building your your space of understanding how a production actually gets financed and pieced together i think at an early stage it's like that's why i think the these web series are actually really great ground for getting an, uh, an understanding of of you know episodic what it takes what it's you know to kind of construct something over over uh, you know episode episodes in an arc and and how to raise the finances so that because you know it is it is a miracle that these things get made number one the fact that something gets made with you know uh <laughs> 10 black actors on the top of the show with the black creative team with the financial sort of space that we were we needed to make it obviously it's been rare that that happens so so the reality check is that this doesn't this isn't just automatically trigger that, you know, financiers are going to be like, yeah, we want another one and we're going to throw this amount to the, this group and that group. So it inspires, I think the show can inspire what what what, what can be and, and people can imagine bigger and broader. But I think those steps and understanding, you know, I think creatively the important thing was that we ran into as well is that because, you know, Anne-Marie and Marsha, you know, really built something that was full and and rich and and all these things everything costs money so the idea of having to look at some of the scripts even though we're going that way and help to shape it to help the budget and understanding things and we had a lot of characters we had to pull back on and certain things and kind of get into the math of it to make it producible and so i think that that is actually something you know that is not learned on one project it's so it's it's an ongoing thing and and again to to Jennifer Qua and Sienna Films they had a great track record with that they've been working on on series of shows and and understand that and what it actually needs so when you move to that senior sort of space of you know from a half hour to a one hour or for a web series to a half hour to an hour it's like you know really look at them in, incrementally and 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 maybe even you know seek like mentorship from production companies such as, you know, Sienna and producers who've sit down with them and really kind of figure out how they structure, you know, a production.
0: I have to tell you, I'm I'm actually from Winnipeg and it's a place that I hold very near and dear to my heart. And I'm sure you all do too. Charles, I heard that your baby was born there yes. while you were shooting, which is just like blows the mind that you had a child and also we're doing this. So I don't know how you did it. But congratulations.
4: None of us know um, how he
5: did it. None of us know how
4: he did it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little
3: help. <laughs> I didn't do it by myself, but you know that. You didn't you didn't, you didn't actually hurt the baby yourself? So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so I I have to talk to you about Winnipeg, you know, why of course the series is not set in Winnipeg, it's set in Montreal. I wonder, you know, why you picked Winnipeg. Was it only because of the trains? Was it only because of the tax credits?
3: So many things, all the things (laughs) above, but, uh, I think, you know, again, like with, with Siena and, and trying to figure out how to produce this, this project, I think there was a lot of exploration of, of, of places. I mean, you know, there was a period where we were talking about South Africa, you know, um, also just because of what we can get our, for our dollar and, and locations and trains. And, and so, and Winnipeg presented this amazing, uh, playground for us. Architecturally, locations were really going to be, um, you know, an important factor of the show, and um, its life, and having to, you know, be, you know, recreate Montreal and and and, and this community in Montreal, and go to Chicago, New York, I, you know, it offered everything that we we needed creatively, and we're very fortunate that just the beautiful way that things go is that. Jean Labrie, who is our production designer, who is originally from Quebec and lives in Montreal, who is in Winnipeg and had this sort of beautiful, you know, synergy and creative connection to, to his passion felt, you know, for these two places. And, and so his eye and and what he was trying to kind of find for us that way. So I'll talk about just creatively. It was really an amazing place for us.
4: You know, all, all of what Charles said, uh, absolutely, um, and tax—you know—tax oh, cuts are a thing. And, you know, we want there are so many places we would love to shoot, and again, as we were talking about the budget and parameters, we want to get the we want to get the most for every dollar, and that that is just a reality. You know, Winnipeg is also really special in terms of just the storytelling. We kind of felt it came really sort of full circle because a lot of the history or some of the one of the strongest moments I feel like that that played out in the series is, you know, on the soil of Winnipeg. So there's, there's so many cities in the country that touch the story. Um, It's not out of place for it to be in Winnipeg. It's not out of place. The crews are amazing. The city was so hospitable in every department. So really just all great debt of gratitude to the city
2: for opening up their doors and, and helping to make the show what it, but it came. We were really excited, actually, when we heard that we were going to Winnipeg. There was this scene that Arnold and I would always talk about, which is like a very simple scene that it was kind of it was like inspired by a real scene that with um with uh, John Robinson that had taken place in Winnipeg. So when we knew we were going to be there, we were like, oh, man, like this scene, like we're going to walk like, you know, just as he walked these streets, we're going to walk these streets, you know, and it just felt very, very meaningful to us because, you know, in a way Montreal is the place where um, our show is set, but, you know, we have always felt like there's this kind of community in all of these different places. Like that is the history. There is, you know, the, the Vancouver version of St. Antoine and Winnipeg and Toronto and Nova Scotia. And so, um, so for us, it felt like there was something beautiful because we had taken this, this history from Winnipeg and put it in the show, but also in a way the show itself, I think, is trying to represent all of these communities across Canada and the, the Black communities that were built around these railroads and accomplished uh, and accomplished great things, you know, all over this country.
0: Absolutely, and I think one of the themes of this conversation so far has been, you know, the resilience of, of U five and the, and the resilience you had in making the show. And I know for a fact that you are resilient because you went location scouting in February in Winnipeg, wow. and so <laughs> oh, that says everything.
1: Yes. Charles and RT, <laughs> <laughs> let's keep it real, man. Charles and RT,
4: <laughs>
0: but I know from personal experience that because you started shooting in April, and in April it's like could be minus thirty, it could be plus thirty. It's like you roll the dice. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you all got a little, you know, frostbite. <laughs>
3: <laughs> the weather was wild. Was so <laughs> like wild. from like, you know, getting snowed out on location scouts to like suddenly, you know, when the heat hit, it was crazy. We had some people who even passed out on our first day of like our, our camera test. Yeah. RT had some crazy weather experiences uh during the shoot too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just like sweeping,
5: was, sweeping in and just like torrential downpour. For, like, you know, not the whole day, because the whole, you know, you get it for the whole day, it's like, all right, it's a wrap. We just gotta, we gotta cut our losses, we gotta go. No, it's like it rains for three and a half hours, just a nice chunk out of your day. And then you're like, but you still gotta make the day. Go make the day. <laughs> yeah,
2: so it's just, Olivia, just is that, the you've yeah. seen
5: episodes
2: one to four, right? Yeah. I think that there's a scene in episode four. Um, where uh, Zeke and Marlene are driving, and then Zeke um gets out of the car. That day, I believe, RT, we got rained. Yeah. It was like, but you know, you're waiting it out because it like rains and then it stops. And you're like, okay, guys, bring it, get ready, everybody. <laughs> and then you go and like, that's like action, and then it all starts again. And you're like, and we're like, no, 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 it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then we're just like, it's a wrap. We got yeah, it. No. We got a call.
5: <laughs> yeah. And you're like, you're like, Maybe we just embrace it. Maybe it happens in the rain. Let's do it in the rain.
0: It's so funny because watching that scene, you would never know. You would never, ever, ever know.
1: Music, movie <laughs> magic right there, man. Movie magic, man. There's a lot of stuff we're hiding in there. <laughs>
0: I have <laughs> no doubt.
1: So- and, and the porters were wearing the, those wool outfits, like, you know what I mean? The, like, the head of summer. 33, yeah. in the summer.
4: So- Oh, gosh. Actors- For the
2: funeral. For the funeral, it started raining when we for when we shot the procession outside. It didn't yes. rain at the beginning, and in the course of shooting the procession, it started to rain, and we were like, "Maybe yeah, <laughs> it's good. Maybe it's fine." Wardrobe was freaking that... out.
1: The wardrobe was freaking out, of course. <laughs> the
2: yeah. Wardrobe's like, "It's not fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is not funny."
0: <laughs> so, Charles, you said that you wanted to capture a gritty elegance. And I love that because that's when when I saw that you said that I thought that's exactly what I felt after watching the show. So you did it, and I want to know how. <laughs>
3: <laughs> By a like you know wave of a wand. No. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there
3: will be grittiness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I think I think just from the page and the writing of the show, we 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 constantly talked about the authenticity and being truthful and, and, you know, focusing on people and, and, and these spaces that we're working in these worlds and, you know, the combination of the the grit and, and the elegance of like these trains and the attitudes also within the, the characters of their grittiness and elegance within themselves. So I think there was, there was that, but, you know, Again, like we RT, myself, I mean the whole team, we've had lots of conversations, lots of meetings with our amazing, you know, young DP, Jordan, Orem, and 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 like really kind of putting together references and, and things that we liked, things we didn't like. Things, scenes that of shows and stuff that we thought, and shows that we we found in, in that you know could support our language, and things that we shows that we definitely didn't want part of our language. Like, so I think we did this sort of thing so that we can, whether or not we all like agreed fully on all everything and whatever, we were able to plant. Uh, I don't know some sort of like a, a visual space that we were all leading towards. And, um, and we just kind of filled, started to fill, you know, the pot with our ideas and color palettes. And it was, but again, like this sort of stuff doesn't happen just, you know, you can imagine it, but you need to assemble the team and, and articulate these things in communication and, and, you know, field new ideas opposed to your ideas and, and. Find this sort of space, like to us even measuring our our, our sets of these train, um, um, you know, cars that we had to design and taping the floor and walking through them and putting down chairs and sitting them down and and playing things out and like all in the air, like you know, you know, to find how things would feel. And I think that that was just it was such a sensory experience. And I do again, we just want to shout out props because. It was those details really, really informed the storytelling on the page at, at times that and no other project did that really stand out to me than, the, than this one. It's It was really a real collaborative, collective effort and just trying to remember what we said and stick to it because there's these the terror of making days stuff that you can fail safe to certain things. And sure, we had to rush, but we still had to rush in a way that maintain the gritty grit or the elegance that we talked about you know so yeah I think I
5: think like all I'll add Charles just said very elegantly you know when you go to, especially when you do something period it really is about like finding the language right and 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 that everybody starts to speak and you just you have to provide the time and space to do that you have to have the collaborators who are willing to engage in that and keep Keep, keep trying like, you know, the funny thing is like, to be a, a crew member on the, in, the, in the art department is a, is a constant, you constantly hear no. Like we're constantly telling them, come to us, to bring us your ideas, bring us. And they come with the idea and then we go, no. You know, and, and then, and then hopefully we have a little more, we have nuanced discussions and and then you keep, so, but it's, it's almost like it's a, it's a sculpture, right? It's like you're, you're, you're carving away the pieces until you reveal what this thing will eventually really be. And then everybody sees the thing and you have to carve away little, little notches, little, little gravings, little sand it down till it starts to really become crystallized and we're all speaking around about the same thing you know it's it's just like you know I say blue and we all have you know five uh, other pictures of what blue is and then you have to be like but it's not this blue it's this blue and it's not this blue but it's it's this kind of blue and a little bit of this and then eventually we all start to see the same blue so now we don't have to talk about it anymore we all know what it is and I think that is a that's something that is done visually, but it's also done in the writing and the rewriting and the, and the reconceptualization of the script in the, in the, in in the show, you know, the actors come in and they bring in their own color. And then you're like, yeah, it's not quite the color, like, you know, and you, you know, so we do that throughout the whole process is that kind of uh, refinement until we all start to feel like, yeah, this is the show. And, and that's not even done until we get to post and we're editing and and you know what I mean? It's, it's all the way in there that we're, that we're still refining and still figuring it out as well. So, um, but it's, it's a beautiful, it, like you said, Charles, it's a beautiful sensory experience on all levels.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's the one thing that is so amazing about the show is that it feels like everyone's on the same page. There's a certain consistency between, you know, the costumes department, the props department, you know, obviously you as directors, there's a consistency. And you really, I think, you know, nailed it. So, of course, you have to find this consistency. But on top of that, it's a period piece. So that comes with a whole other host of issues. And you're shooting it on location. I feel like it would make a, any grown man cry. You did cry. A
3: did cry. A mentor I mine actually said that to me. He said, "Charles, before I went to production we go into production. I was just, you know, I would download things with him. Very experienced man. He says, Charles, this project it'll make any ex- extremely experienced person cry.' And I'm do like, 'Don't, don't why tell me that now? <laughs> like, come on, man. I called you for some, like, you know, pep talk. <laughs> tell me I'm gonna be okay.'" <laughs>
1: But I was also going to say that you know, collectively, when we talk about you know, when when Marsha was talking about the passion, is that you know, each department, everyone took on that passion. As difficult as a production could be to undertake, I, I think everyone had that passion from each department. Uh, and brought that in, and that helped to have this inclusiveness and that um, that 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 oneness. It it helped, and I think uh, it shows on the screen. I I think so.
0: I heard you tell an amazing story about how you know you got close with the background actors, Arnold, and that there was I I maybe completely misremembering this, so please do correct me. That there was a man who who's had a relationship with a porter, whose family member was a porter, and um and that you presented him a gift.
1: Yeah, Durwin. Yeah, um, it, 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 we were doing a church scenes. I think Charles, you were directing this at the time, and we were all sitting in the church. And you know, you're sitting in there as an actor. I played Glenford on the show, and you know, in between takes, someone will say something. You know, someone will say, you know, my my great great uncle is uh, you know uh, Blanchett. You know, one of the pioneers of the union. And then this one man said, he says, what's this church supposed to be? I said, but well, you know, it's the United Church in, in Montreal. He goes, oh, I was baptized there. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, I, I grew up in, in, in Little Burgundy. You know, he's I used to go to uh, Rockheads, which is loosely based off of our, our Stardust. And he was like, yeah, I grew up in this whole community. And that was, I was like, oh my God. Like he goes, my father was a porter, my uncle was a porter. And to me, it was like, I'm literally, we're, we're doing this whole thing about people of the past, dramatized or otherwise, but here I was actually talking to a living sort of fossil, so to speak. And it just really it excited me and I just wouldn't leave that man alone. I was like, I'd be mean like, hey, Charles, RT, look who we have here, you know, and so on and so on. And we we kind of took this replica picture that I believe Emory, I mean, Marsh Green, I think you put it up on your Instagram or someone did of like picture of these porters, uh, you know, in front of the train, right? And then the pictures that we have, Charles <coughs> in a scene where we decide to take this picture of all of us as we stand up in front of this train. So I got a picture of that uh, framed and I got all the actors to, to sign it. And I gave it to him and I I, I also brought him in to the, um, uh, the studio where we did the inside of the train. And you can tell he started to well up a bit. He was like, you don't know what you've done for this old man. Mm. And when we gave him the picture, we took all of the background performers outside and we took this huge wide, wide shot. And there he was with the picture. And to see that man smile and well up. And he's like, can I share this with my my old friends back in um, uh, St. Antoine, well, Little Burgundy? And I said, yeah, of course. And that's when you know you're like, we're doing something special here. That's that's the vibe that I got. Like, we are doing something special here. And uh, RT was kind enough to give us the opportunity to, to give him a shout out at, at church around the time we started singing a rendition of This Little Light of Mine. And um, and the whole uh, production started singing along with it. It was just a special moment, man. I mean, Winnipeg in general, those background performers, from the time Charles and RT did their big speech to them and their shout out to them taking ownership of the show. Uh, this is a, you know, we get a second season or we don't get a second season. No one can take away these the experiences we felt on this show.
0: I don't know where you found this talented cast. They're so incredible. Every single one of them is um, sensational in their own way. And of course they're not just Canadian, they're from all over the world. And I think Ronnie in particular is such a star and I can't wait to see how hopefully this gives them the platform to, you know, expand their career and go to new places that they never dreamed of also because of how they're being showcased and the opportunities that it's giving them in this show. So can you talk a little bit about the the wildly talented cast and, and how you
4: found them? You know, I think what's amazing about the show is that when Bird got out, I don't think we had to, uh, there was searching, yes, for roles, but people were coming and wanting to just be a part of it. And, you know, Arnold was gracious enough to be in the audition room for a lot of these auditions and people were emotional just for the opportunity to to be in a series that spoke about them in a real way. So we, you know, we were really fortunate to sort of have that, good feeling or that good energy that was bringing you know John Comerford did a lot of our casting and just we forget sometimes how multifaceted our performers are that all they really need is an opportunity and a role and um you can see the other sides of their ability so sometimes it's these amazing faces that we've known or seen it's like oh I know that woman from the winner's commercial I'm don't know that woman. (laughs) That woman is a force and it's like we are so blessed and so I am sad for all the years so many shows have been robbed of the opportunities because they didn't have vision enough to make characters or to make a landscape of characters that were diverse because what a blessing any of these people would have been to those shows over the years. So we got them, we're trying to hold on to them. We're trying to make sure that we reopen up doors of opportunity for them. But uh, you know, some auditions you were like, oh my gosh, I just want everyone. I just, you hate to make it like such a heart-wrenching thing where you have to like, oh my gosh, I don't want to pick. But it's I to mean,
3: actors like because we saw so many amazing actors like nothing was personal in these in these choice like nothing I mean the, the the sad part or the hard part was that we couldn't fit like some people we also loved and but we also had to just sink into the fact and believe that this show has to feel you know it has to complete its 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 natural journey. So I believe it will go on for what it needs to be. And then there will be opportunities for other actors to kind of have a space to be, to play on the show because it's 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 wild. It's like, you know, like these shows in the past, like Rookie Blue or whatever, and Eyes, it go on for these years and they circulate all these Caucasian actors through every role, like on these shows for years and it helps their careers. And we haven't had that for our Black talent. So I think it'll be amazing that there's something where our community is excited to be a part of, and we'll hopefully get an opportunity too. The casting was so widespread. I don't even know
5: how many, how many people we saw. Like, it's like, it's to the level where it's just beyond, beyond, you know, we're casting for months and months and months and months and we're, and it's full. It's not like, it's like, eh, we'll see like one person a day. Like it's, it's we're rammed. It's a real myth buster. Uh, for when you when when people uh, say that they can't find the diverse talent, they can't find black actors in Canada. That they have to go, they got to go find somebody in the states, or they got to go find. You know, it's it's to us, and I mean, like we knew this because we know a, a lot of the talent, but there's a lot of talent that we didn't know. And the fact of the matter is, it's like for all of our roles, we. You know, we had our, we had to we had to wind down our list. We each had like ten people for each roles, and then we had to debate about these people for, for each of these roles. Like it was that intense, and 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 many of these people crossed over to other roles. Like okay, well if we're not gonna have them for this role, then we have gotta have her for this role. You know, it's like that kind of thing, and and still, you know, like if you know, God willing, the project goes forward. All of our actors out there listening to this. We have you earmarked. <laughs> like, we, you, know, like we, you know, like, we want to be working with you and, 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 and there will be opportunities. And, and hopefully, like you're saying, this, this, this will create bigger opportunities and grander opportunities and open doors, but especially for other productions to know the talent is there and you just have to open your eyes and look, you know, and, and also create the roles that, that that people can showcase this stuff, you know, so.
1: I, I think one beautiful thing that I remember in the audition rooms, even for those who didn't get it, was that they were clenching the sides in their hands as they were leaving, some of them emotional, some of them otherwise, and saying, thank you. And I'm not trying to put us up or anything like that, but they were saying thank you for the opportunity to read such content like this that not only represents me, I'm not playing someone from New York or someone from California, whatever it may be, but thank you so much. And there were some people that left the room that said, yeah, my, my, my great-grandfather was a porter. It, you could tell that people really wanted to be a part of this and when they didn't get it, It was a tough one, but like RT says, we haven't forgotten anybody and not just for season two potentially, but for the, you know, you're talking about, you're looking at four people right there that are writing their other content and doing other shows and stuff like that. And also, you know, they, they can spread the word to other people that maybe you should look at this person. I thought they were dope. So
0: I have to pick up on, you know, if you can give some behind the scenes scoop of who was the role switch. I mean,
5: I mean, Ronnie read for both. He read for Junior oh, and Zeke, and he was very strong in both. Um, I think
2: Fabrin read for Marlene and she plays Gwen, but she read for Marlene. Oh, you know what? Um, Adrian, who plays Henry, he read for Zeke and he was so good. It was such, such mm-hmm. a good audition. And Charles and I had worked with him before. Anyways, when we got to casting Henry the thing we were just like oh you know like you this is like a character where you need to fall in love with him in a very short time you need to like see this person you're going to see this person like three times and you need to like Feel it, And we were like, uh, he is going to nail it, you know? So it was like that. Sometimes we would see people and as RT said, it's like, it's still in your head, you know, like, oh, that person was, was, was really good. And that I remember like Milton Barnes, who plays a Philip Randolph in the show years ago, he auditioned for a show that I was on and he got it was like, I remember watching his audition tape and thinking he was so good. And he was like, he ended up being in like a, a small role. Anyway, so we, we filmed the scene that he's in, he's in a small role. Uh, kind of the lead act actress came up to us and said, you know, this guy who's playing the security guard is amazing. He's just giving me so much. And she's like, he's great. And I was like, you know, one day I'm gonna write a role for Milton, like you know what I mean, for like Milton Barnes to be able to be this great actor that he could be, but we just didn't have a lot of room for like actors of his <laughs> color um, <laughs> or whatever, you know. And so, anyways, the point is that it's like, yeah, I never forgot that. And so, so when we were like, who's going to be Randolph? It was a short, like like he would be so good. He had been in RT show as well in Utopia yeah. Falls. So, I mean, Milton obviously is a wonderful actor and went on to do many things, but it's just to say that we really do remember the people that we see and think, you know, one day the, the role will come or, you know, or I'll write something. I know I'm like, I'll write something and I'm gonna like get that person in my, in my show that I do.
1: And I remember earliest stages, I mean, earlier on, in the sense of getting the show going, I used to talk to my peers, uh, my, my, my black actors and go, the, I'm, I'm working on the show, man, and all of us are gonna eat. That's what I used to say, man. All of us are gonna eat. We're not just gonna come in and and you know say a line, the bullet came in on a 45 degree angle and lodged into the wall, and then and then, and then you know, and then the camera goes somewhere off, right? It's like we're all gonna eat. And you know, that's also one of the the things that really kind of helped to push me forward too. It's important to to
5: to, you know, and for for young actors or experienced actors out there, but sometimes, who, you know, they they go, they go in about, I killed that shit. I killed that audition. I know it. I got this shit. And then they get surprised and they're like, what the, what happened? You know, um, it really is important to understand that the casting process is, it is such a process. And it is, it is really also about energies that, that, that people, uh, it, it, you know, exhibit and, and then pairing the energies together and how that works and what, you know, who would work off of who really well. And it's a, it's, it's an understanding of that kind of stuff to know that it's really not, it's not always just based on how somebody did in the room or their, or even their body of work. There's all these other kind of things, you know, there was a, you know, with that Adrian conversation about whether he was young Zeke or young junior, I can't remember, but it was like, we actually had a young version Like we had a young cast version where, where, you know, the characters were not, um, you know, maybe 30 years old, but they were like 20 something. We had some pairings that were like, this could be a young junior and a young Zeke. But then we, we had to think about story as well with that. So it's, there's all these things that kind of uh, affect how, how and who we choose to understand that and to know that, you know, but
1: that takes time, R.T. As, as, you, as actors, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're people too and, and their emotions. And, you know, as you get, as you get further along the line, you, you go exactly what you're saying. Oh, shoot, this wasn't about me knocking that out the park and, you know, all that stuff. But when you're in your 20s and, you know, it's like every audition you don't get, you know, you need a minute to yeah. recuperate and get back on the horse. <laughs>
0: Before I let you guys all go, I have to ask you what your favorite or just a piece of Canadian content that you recommend?
3: Stephen Williams' uh, Soul Survivor. Hmm. That film always stayed with me of like being something that cracked something open that was culturally spoke to me when I was like, you know, coming up and just like the entry point into like what felt somewhat familiar or where, you know, the question of where, where are we? <laughs> I think for me, it was just pinnacle because I actually just started engaging and making something myself, making films myself. So I want to call that film out.
4: Yeah, I went to York, you and did film production. And I remember doing security, <laughs> doing security on the short film for, I called him David, but I think we know him as Seth Sutherland at the time. And I'm super excited, you know, to for his new um, series, Black, you know, an origin story. So, um, I'm a fan and I'm a supporter of him and, and Jennifer. I think she, uh, his partner, Jennifer Holness, is just documenting our life in, in amazing ways.
2: I can frisk like collect, nobody's first. If you ready to choose another project, like that's what's dirty. Like I was gonna say Anne-Marie and her myriad of jobs. That's another <laughs> podcast for you. That just like all the jobs Anne-Marie has oh, had. It's, I've ever had. She's yeah. always pulling out something. I was actually gonna say Subjects of Desire, which was is Jennifer Holness's documentary, which I recently I knew that it was um on it was gonna be on stars, uh, but I just saw that it's on Canopy, which is the um the uh, streaming service for the for the public library. So, like, if you have a library card, there is a streaming service that has a whole bunch of films. There's actually lots of films there also about Porters and A. Philip Randolph and Marcus Garvey and, like, lots of things that you could learn about in terms of our show. But, um, yeah, but Subjects of Desire is on there. And, um, uh, yeah, I'm going to shout that out. Um, for,
1: for, for me, it's not just one person. It's at different stages of my life. I mean, you know, uh, I, I would have to go... Clement Virgo for me, to be there when he was talking about Book of Negroes and stuff like that, and, and actually seeing someone that looked like me, uh, getting stuff like that done. And then I got to give a Char- uh, shout out to Charles too, earlier on for me, getting to see his documentaries And also feeding me to know that there's someone else out there, (laughs) of course, of his stature, that's loving Black history. And then even going to see Utopia Falls when, you know, when um, Artie invited me to, to the premiere and just seeing him up on stage. And people talking about him, and him talking about the process of getting something done. They may not have known this, but those sort of things have really in- impacted me. Or, or seeing someone like Marcia and Am doing their. In- I remember when when Emory was talking about the project that you were doing about in Ireland, and like those things really in- in- impacted me. Or or, or, or Marcia, you know, the many shows that you, you you've worked on those things really impactful for me. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird to say, but my heroes are uh, my present day heroes other than the Jennifer Holnesses and the Seth Sutherland's and the Clement Virgos and Steve Williams are actually up on screen right now. They're my heroes, man. They're my present day heroes.
5: How do I follow that up? I mean, you know, what what are you supposed to say after that? That's, you know, Arnold Pinnock oh, is my hero.
1: Oh, man. That's, I mean, <laughs> he, I mean,
5: he is, though. Yeah. He is, though, for real, for, you know, for bringing me into this world. I would just you know, I'm just going to echo what, what people have said. The Sudsatlan and the Jen Holnesses of the world, that like from early, early on, they were real supporters of, of me, even as I transitioned out of music video world and brought me into, the, you know, helped me uh, to navigate some of this um, narrative world. They were really instrumental early on. I took a screenwriting course that Suds taught. It was one of the first things that I did, uh, just to better understand storytelling from this standpoint. And Clement Virgo has been been a supporter for a long time. And and then Charles, you know, it's like getting to work with my brother on this was such a blessing, and and to and to be inspired by you know uh, some of the early short films and Nurse Fighter Boy and you know, and then his documentaries, it's just, um, really kind of showed me a way, you know, to, to be able to operate. So I'm, I'm always grateful, you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll shout out, to, um, Jennifer Quadra, you know, Sienna, um, some of the best television I think in this country is made, um, by Sienna. Just, just quality and very interesting television. And, um, uh, you know, they have a a reputation for kind of looking looking under the stones that people don't look at for the places um, and for the programming. So I'll I'll, I'll shout shout out Jennifer and, and Sienna as well.
0: Well, I have no doubt that you are inspiring a whole new generation of filmmakers with this amazing series. So thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed this conversation. You guys are truly the cool kids and the next generation of television, and I'm just honored to get a seat at the table for today. So uh, thank you so much for sharing your stories with me and, and opening up about the making of the series.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: And for everyone listening, don't forget to watch The Porter every
2: Monday night at 9 p.m. on CBC. We want everybody to watch the show. We want yes. everybody. To- all Canadian people should be watching everything Canadian and supporting. Absolutely.
3: Can you set your PVRs you like you know weeks in advance? Like just record, set it, and leave yeah, it. Yeah, set
0: the series, right? Series okay.
3: on, on record yeah. right. every Monday,
1: nine PM. If you're in,
0: and if you don't have cable, CBC Gem.
1: There you go. Yes. Awesome. And CBC Gem. If, oh. if you can share with your people there that if they do watch it on their iPad. They can send it to their TVs because I know a lot of TVs yes. don't have the CBC Gem app. Uh, yeah. So uh, if they have Chromecast or Apple TV. My mom
4: can figure out how to stream it. So too can you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Do that. True words. Yeah.
4: Thank you
0: so much for tuning in to our two-part series on The Porter. And a huge thank you To the five amazing members of the creative team who joined me in this roundtable conversation, I wanted to send a special thank you to Winston Ma for coordinating this conversation. If you love the show, please leave us five stars and a review. It really, really supports the show. Until then, see you next Wednesday.